being as it's Erev Chanukah, so it's time first to talk a little bit more about Musnagel Alach of Chanukah. And then Be'ez Hashem also to talk a little bit to Viserys, preparation of ourselves, besides preparing our Menorahs, and uh, knowing the Alachas of what's Mukhir to do, but also to prepare and commit to think about, commit to feel in Chanukah. So you see, we spoke already about the Alachas of where to light, what to light, what kind of oil to use, time to light. But we see a few more interesting halachas also about the nerves. The first one is we saw the importance of putting the nerve in a place where people can see it. For some reason, that's mafarsim, mafarsim to the world, the nerves of the mafarsim to the world, the nerves of the nerves. But halach is more specific than that. Halach is it has to be placed in the doorway. Opposite the mezuzah. The mezuzah, when a person comes into the room, is on the right, comes into the house on the right, and therefore he's meant to put the Ner Hanukkah on the other side, on the left. And uh, the shayla is, what's the point? Why is it significant that it has to be opposite the mezuzah? You will see over here that the side of the door where the mezuzah is, you don't put the Ner, instead you put them on the other side. Why? What's the idea of having the mezuzah on the one side and the Ner Hanukkah on the other side? The other question is, the Prisim Yenisa, we find a number of times in the Jewish year that they mit us to do as Prisim Yenisa. And they're always different. For example, the, the whole idea of Arab Kosis on Pesach, why bring four cups of wine? Prisim Yenisa. It's a way of being a Pharisee, publicizing the nature of the Kamen Mitzrayim. Reading the Megiddo and Purim, it's Prisim Yenisa. Publicizing the nature of Chapman. And over here on Hanukkah, the idea of lighting the Menorah is Prisim Yenisa. It's a different in each yomtif is like a new a new way of being mafarsim in the nest. But the interesting point is that the chayyur Hanukkah is the most person in the nest because over here the whole idea is for the outside world to see what we're doing. It's united outside that people should see the person in the nest. If we're drinking arbukos and pesach, we drink them inside around the center table. If there is going to be person in the for ourselves or for whoever else is around the around the table with us. We don't show the outside world we're drinking Arbukosis. When we're going to read the Megiddo and Purim, it's Prisim and Nisa, whoever's inside with us and can hear what we say. When it comes Hanukkah, it's a different kind of Prisim and Nisa. It's the Prisim and Nisa, which is meant for everyone else from the outside to see. So that's another interesting point. Even though the Allah is like we saw, that in Chutzlar, it's because it was considered a Sakana to light the Menorah outside, Therefore, they let inside, and they were yetsa with the fact that there was Prisimunisa for the family. That was the Xera, that was in a place where there was Xeris, and it wasn't shy to do the mitzvah in the Ikka way to do it. But in a, in a situation where we can do the mitzvah in the best way to do it, so it would be to do it out here, we do it in Eretz Yisrael, to do it outside. So it's a new kind of Prisimunisa, like I said, Prisimunisa for the public. And we see this has tremendous chashivas. Uh, when the Gemara talks about what's more important, Nechanaka uh, uh, or Kiddush and Shabbos, for example, the person has, has money for one, so the Gemara says that Nechanaka, Prisamanes, is more important. Okay, so that's the second point. The first question is why is it opposite the mezuzah? The second point is why was it, uh, why is the style of Prisamanes here meant to, be, meant to be for the outside world? And the third point, and this is a point which you always come back to, and discuss, and that is 
if we talk about Hanukkah, historically we know there were two parts to Hanukkah. The one part of Hanukkah is we won the war. It was uh, against tremendous odds. It was a few Hashemunayim against thousands, maybe tens of thousands of Greek soldiers. And they won. So the Chayyak are going to talk about the Nase. That was a tremendous Nase. The second point, that when they came back to the base of Mikdash and they lit the Menorah, so the oil burned much longer than anyone would have expected. It was a one-day supply of oil. It burns for eight. Okay. So we understand there's two nests in which I have on Hanukkah. Which one are we trying to mefaris them as the nest? What are we trying to mefaris them? We're trying to mefaris them as the nest is the nest of the Menorah. What about what about the first part? What about the the victory in the battle? So on that we have Alanisim. Alanisim Kemat completely is talking about the victory in the battle. We say one at the end, Vakabul that the Hidik of Nerus Vachatsu's Kachakha we lift the Menorah. But the whole direction, the whole message of the Alanisim is Masarta, Gibbayan Bialashim, Rabbi Biad Matim, Mutan Biatim, Shabiatadikim, it's talking about the victory in the war. So why is it that when we're thanking Hashem, so to speak, we're thanking Him for the victory, which makes sense, that's, that we, we survived, we won. But when we come to Mepharsim, the nest, we come to Mepharsim, the Menorah. Right. So, let's look at the Chazal. Let's use that as a starting point to explain all, the other, well, all these other questions also. And Chazal's, right at the beginning of the Torah, in Breshis Rabbah, on the second basic of the Torah, Say that the first, the second basic material is already a remez. It's a hint to the four malchias, the four different empires which would rule the world, and each in turn would subjugate Klai Yisrael. And the pasuk says, Before creation began, so to speak, the world was toyu It was nothingness. It was desolate. It was dark. The home means death. All there was, there wasn't any steady land, it was just the deep water which covered everything. And that Chazal say, which Lakish explains the Pasuk, it's talking about the remnants to the four different kingdoms that there were. And it says, Toyo, in order. Toyo is Malchus Pavel, Ubayo is Paras the Madai, the Choyshech is Yavon, Alpenei Tahoim, Choyshech is Yavon, and Alpenei Tahoim is uh, Malchus Adam. Now, what interests us right now is Malchus Yavon. That was what's going to get to Hanukkah. What's it going to do with Choshech? Why was Malchus Yavon considered darkness? So the Midrash explains, and this is an interesting thing. It says that they used to tell the Jewish people, Kisvul Achem al Karen right on the horn of the Shah, the horn of the of the of a cow. Of a cow, <laughs> we don't have a chalik with Hashem. We don't have a chalik with the God of Israel. That's chayshik. And obviously, his explanation was the mean. Firstly, what was the idea of the skazera to rat in the horn of the cow? What's the, why is that significant? Secondly, the nusach that they chose is a very strange nusach. If they wanted us not to believe, they should have said some kind of nusach that rat in the horn of the cow. You don't believe in Hashem, or there isn't Hashem, or something like that. Why are they right in the Nusach? Ain't none of Chalik by Lekai Yisra. We don't have a Chalik, we don't have a part in the Lekai Yisra. We're not denying it's the Lekai Yisra. We're not identifying with it. And why is that Chalik? Lots of questions. Okay, 
Let's look at one more point. The song which has become the minag of Kamata Hokka Israel to sing on Hanukkah after Adakas Neris is Mosur. If you look at Mosur, it's not specifically about Hanukkah. Now let's look at the stanzas quickly. And you'll see it's not specifically about Hanukkah. On the contrary, it goes through the whole of Jewish history. It starts, Roi, Sovon, Nafshi, Biyogon, Koichi, Kilo. A lot of bad things happened to me. Chayai, Meri, Rubikoichi, my life was made bitter with difficulty. Beshibud, Malchus, Egdo. When I was Beshibud, when I was subjugated to the Malchus, Egdo, Mitzrayim. So you start with the Tears, Mitzrayim. You start with the fact that you were subjugated to Mitzrayim. That's the first. Then afterwards, Vir Kochev, Yani, Vorpin, Tobesa, Megdash. But, Vorpin, Nagas, Vignani, 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 and when we come to Kate's Bavel was Rubavel, he was the leader of the Jewish people talking about Rubavel. Good. Kate's Shivim Neshati, after 70 years, we were saved. She spoke about Bavel. And then comes Homer. Kareis comes Bresh, Pekesh, Agogi, Ben Amdasa. He wanted to destroy us. Until Hashem destroyed him also. And then eventually we get to Yavalim Nikmut Solai, which is talking about Yavon. And then the next time we go to the Malchus Sarashah, which is talking about Adam. So really, the, the Mosur is, is a short history of all the different goddesses. The Klai Shal went through. We don't focus specifically on on Malchus Yavon, on the Greeks. We're going through all the different all the different eras that Klai Shal went through in Goddess. And the question is, why is that why is that uh, important to Hanukkah? Let's focus just on Hanukkah. Right? We, for example, on Purim, we focus just on Purim. We don't find in Purim. We're thinking about every other Goddess that Klai Shal survived. We think about Purim. On Pesach, we talk about Pesach. Why when it comes to Hanukkah, we don't leave it with just Hanukkah, we go through everything. We go through everything. So let's understand a little bit what Yovan was trying to do, why it was a goddess, what the goddess was, and it's, it's not just understanding to answer all the questions we asked, but it also gives us a direction for the avoid of what we meant to be doing on Hanukkah, when we write the Menorah specifically. But the whole period of Hanukkah is a time as well. What was uh, Yavon's belief system, if you want, Hashkafa, worldview? What did the Yavonim think? So we know that Yavon was the first empire to exist in a time when there was no Munavur. We know that there was no Munavur, there was no prophecy. The, the a sefer we have written by the Tanner of Yesi of Yesi, called Seder Olam. And in the Seder Olam he writes that the year that Alexander the Great, the first emperor of Yavon, took to the throne, the year that Alexander the Great became king was the year that the last Navi died. The last Navi died. And therefore Yavon has to is building himself an empire, but there's no more Navi in the world. There's no, you know, there's no connection to anything spiritual in the world. Yavan was a tremendously big empire. It stretched from most of Europe to the Middle East, as far as Persia, Africa. It was one, instead, it was the biggest empire in the world. What was Yavan, besides of being successful in, militarily and being able to conquer so much territory, what was Yavan's shita? What was Yavan's mahalikh that were trying to impart? And why did that clash with Kaiser's shitter? And what Yavan is trying to do is 
Yavan wants, in order to create, so to speak, a society which takes over so much of the world. So what was the philosophy of Yavan? The philosophy of Yavan was, all people are equal. All people are equal. We're all the same. We're all the same. The idea that, which was there previously, that each nation felt that they were right and everyone else was wrong. That they were the, they, they were the special, so to speak, nation. They were unique, and everybody else wasn't. That was more like the goddess of Babel, for example. Where they put themselves, we on top, and everyone else underneath us. Yavan's way of thinking was other A human being is a, that's something important, and every person has that, has that advantage. And therefore, all people are the same. Whoever, whoever be part of the great empire of the Greeks has the same rights, has the same abilities. They introduced a lot of things to the world Yavan. The idea of democracy, for example, was an invention of the Greeks. The, the idea of looking up to the person as being a source of intelligence, even as a source of beauty, was also the Greeks. Right? That, that was the, they didn't have a specific avodazara, so to speak, but it was a system that idolizes the person. That's why any kind of athletics and sports, the first ones we find into the Greeks. It's a, a human uh, achievement. So, in a way, they were right. Yovan recognized the Midas Adam, the, the, the value of a person, but they realized it to an extreme. And that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And because of that, and therefore, the, the second point would be that, therefore, the, everyone in the empire was part of the, the Greek civilization, the, the Greek empire, that was meant to be, they, went to, they were meant to work with that worldview. What was, this, what was the opposition of Klai Yisrael to Yavah? Where do we think, where, where, where was the point that we were different? And this is the point which is important to talk about because it's something which even today, being as Western civilization, is Western civilization means it's built on Yavah. It's built on the principles of the Greek civilization that is something which, con- which confronts us as Yudin regularly. And that is, Klai Yisrael believe that not all people are created equal. Clashal believe that we the Amanivcha. We different. We're not the same as everybody else. We're better. Now, the accusation you're always going to get leveled at you when you say that we better, <coughs> we chosen, is you're being racist. You're being racist. You think you're better than everybody else, that's racism. So let me explain why it's not. If if I consider myself a, if I would consider myself a racist in that I hold that a different nation or a different kind of skin or a different creed or a different religion or nationality or everything else is inferior, right? That means that there's nothing they can do about it. If I would consider just an example, let's say I would consider the Chinese to be inferior for some whatever reason or the Indians or any other nation you want, right? So then if if a person's a racist, it means that you that you are by by birth and by what you are inferior to me, there's nothing you can do about it. You'll never change. When the Nazis in Akshamal considered the Jews to be uh, an inferior people, so there's nothing you can do about it. If you're a Jew, then you deserve to die because we consider you inferior. For whatever reason. But us is not like that. Even though we consider ourselves to be the Amman right? the Maisa, 
if we ra- if we be racist, we say so no one can judge us. We're a privileged society, no one can become part of us. But it's not like that. It's on the one hand, Kaisal considers it to, we consider ourselves to be different. We consider ourselves to be Lama Nidhar. But on the other hand, if someone wants to join us, they can. Yeah, but it's not. Jews aren't looking for people to join them. We aren't looking. Somebody can. If you would be anti, so if you would be anti Africans, no. Christians, we are exactly the opposite. Christians want everyone to be a Christian. Right. Exactly the opposite. I'm not saying it's racism. Racism is a view against Africans. So you say, okay, listen, I want to be like you. You're not going to accept it. There isn't such a mahalik. If I hold that you worse than me, so then there's no way for me to accept you. There's no way you can change. We're saying that's what I'm saying. Even though on the one hand we consider ourselves with Amanif, I'm just using this aside to explain. That it's not considered being racist because if you want to genocide, you can. It's not close to anybody. I don't know. We're not looking for everyone to become a Jew. If someone wants to, they can. It doesn't make a difference if they're African or Chinese or Indian or any other nation in the world. We don't have a problem. So in what way do we consider ourselves superior? What, why do we consider ourselves to be Dhamma Nebcha? This is an important point. The answer is, this is the Dayak Hashem says, please understand it. The answer is that we consider ourselves to be, that, to be special because we consider ourselves to have a job to do in the world. If, it's a, if, if Hashem created people to do a job, then we consider it means we the people who created to do the job. And we have a job too, that makes us special. Whereas the, the Goyim, they're there in the world because Hashem creates people, just like there's a lot of things in the world which are there to <coughs> provide the background, to be the supporting cause for what we need to do. They're not doing a specific job Hashem wants them to do. Why not? Because they didn't want to. They were offered the chance, and they said, and they said, I don't want it. So now they don't have a job. There's no point giving a job to someone who doesn't want to do it. And therefore, since the Goyim turned down the option of having a job to do in the world, Hashem didn't give them one. And therefore, why do we consider ourselves the Amman Yifchar? We're the Amman Yifchar because we're doing what Hashem wants us to do. We have a job to do. The average guy doesn't have a job to do. If he wants to spend a weekend with looking at the sea and, and putting his feet up and looking at the sky, he can do that. He doesn't have a job to do. We're different. If one of us wants to spend a week with sitting on the sand and looking at the sky, we'd say, you're wasting your time. You have a job to do in the world for a reason. And that's in the Kodah. What we consider ourselves the Amman Yifchar is because we say we've been entrusted with a mission. Not them. Not them. They weren't given the mission. They didn't want it. So they weren't given, it wasn't given to them. But since we did want it, we have a mission. That, that makes us in a special place. We see ourselves as being obligated to do what Hashem wants. And that's what's going to bring the world to where Hashem wants it to come to. Is that at the end of the day, there's a, there's a, 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 ter, a purpose, a tachlis, an end point Hashem has in this world. And it's an up to Israel to do it. So why do we consider ourselves different? Because we consider ourselves to be obligated. We consider ourselves to be charged with a mission. And the rest of the world wasn't given that mission. And if that's the case, you have no union to make them Jews. They can be going, they can keep the Sheva Mitzvah that they have to keep, and that's okay. They weren't in trust with the mission, so we don't have to make them Mechtsuva. We don't have to bring them into Klai Yisrael. Masha'in can. It's like a door isn't closed. If someone wants to become a Jew, he can. If someone wants to become a Jew, he can. We're not stopping them. We're not saying you can't. We're saying in the situation that it is right now, you aren't Mitzvah. You don't have that job. So we're different. I always give a marshal to explain this because it needs explanation. I was once speaking to someone, a Talmud of man who is a rabbi today in England. And he said that he got into an argument with a priest. It seems to be quite common in England. But uh, what was the argument about? The priest told him 
that Jews, you, you Jews believe that every man is created by God. Is that true? I said, yes. So he says, well, if we're all created by God, so why do you think you're better than us? Which is not a new argument. What's the answer? So I'll answer. I said to him, like this, tell the priest that in England, and this is also what happened, but I could say something for America or Israel, any other country in the world, right? Anyone who lives in the country, they're citizens of the country. <coughs> they have the right to be there, they're citizens. What responsibilities do the citizens have to the government? So the answer is, well, don't break the law, pay tax. Uh, that's pretty much all, right? What responsibilities does the government have to the citizens? Well, they have to provide uh, health and schools and housing and uh, roads and uh, some kind of security system. Whatever, whatever the government gives in any country, it's citizens. That's what they have to provide. The citizens, on their point of view, have to pay the taxes the government wants them to pay. And listen to the laws or whatever the government chooses. Okay? But it, within the country, there's a subcategory of people who get much, much more from the government. Much more than the average citizen. And who's that? It's the army. The government has to feed the army. It has to give them uniforms. It has to educate them. It has to take care of them. And if the citizens is not fair, I don't get lunch every day delivered by the government. Why do the soldiers get it? And what's the difference? Because you aren't giving as much as they're giving. The soldiers are working for the government. They aren't working for themselves. So they have to train and they have to march. They have to be willing to fight and they have to protect the country. That's their job. So, of course, the government gives much more back because they're doing much more. So in any country you have the citizens. They have less responsibilities and less rights, less what they get. And then you have the army, which is much more, let's say, responsible for the, to the country. But on the other hand, they get much more. So I said to him, does it make sense to you, yeah? It makes sense to all of us. We, we understand it straight away. So I said, you understand that it's true Hashem created all people in the world. They're citizens. They're here. You have you have your your duties as citizens in the world, which means don't go against the same don't destroy society. And Hashem gives you life and he gives you food to eat and gives you health and fun. He says the Christ was an army. We aren't just here to to live in the world and pay tax. Right? And be keep keep the basic rules. We're doing something, we're fighting for Hashem, we we're on our way to remission. If that's the case, of course Hashem's gonna invest more in us. We're there, we're working for it. We're the army. It's not the same thing as a citizen. And that's in Yisad. What Tarish will consider ourselves to be different, I'm an Ifkhar, is because we see ourselves as being Hashem's army. We're the ones entrusted with the mission that Hashem wants us to do. Now this is the important point. This goes against Greek Hashkafah. Greek Hashkafah is everybody's the same. There's no one different. Everybody's the same. Remember, Greeks are coming on a time after the book. They don't know about spirituality. They know about philosophy. The what the human brain can comprehend, what the human mind can think of, human creativity, human expression, all humans, what's the difference? And Clarice will say, no, we're different. We're entrusted with a mission from Hashem, and we're not the same as everybody else. That's what the Greeks came to undo. They weren't going to deny Hashem, that wasn't the point. The point was what you say, Ki Hashem Amway. And what's unique about Klai Yisrael, that that's Hashem's chilek. Right, that's not true. Right, that you're not the chilek of Hashem. Ain't on the chilek of Yisrael. We don't have a special mission to do for Hashem. That's what the Greeks came to try and change about Klai Yisrael. And we made it. That's what they tried. Those mitzvahs, which show that factor, 
of that we're here to do Hashem's mission. Those are the mitzvahs that they had a problem with. So that was the the challenge. That was the fight, so to speak, between Israel and between the Greeks. Now, well, you can explain each one why it's uh, the, the, simply the answer is because Rishchodesh means we can decide when how time works. Okay, good. So that's the that's the, that was the two sides of the story. <coughs> the Greeks wanted, and what Rishchodesh wanted. Now let's look at an interesting thing that we said. What guarantees the survival of Israel? If you're going to ask, what guarantees the survival of Israel? The Gemara says in Yemen, the Gemara says that Kaisal went into Goddess. Kaisal went into Goddess. So the Levim said, Where do we see Hashem's greatness in protecting Kaisal? They're in Goddess. When we were dependent, when we were on our own, so we see Hashem's protection. But when we're in Goddess and we're subjugated and we're under the influence of other countries and we're enslaved to them, where do you see Hashem's greatness? Where do you see. Hashem's strength in protecting Klai Yisrael. And the Gemara's answer is that itself. The fact that we can be subjugated to a different country and we don't get destroyed. There you see Hashem's greatness. And it's something to think about because it makes a lot of sense. If you have an independent country, no one's, ever, no one's starting with them, everyone's leaving them alone. Okay, you don't see they're stronger than anybody else because no, they're not at war. But if you see a country which is being fought against, being attacked, and they're able to to defend themselves, they're able to continue to exist, then I see they're strong. That they, you, you weren't able to destroy them, even if you tried. And therefore says the Gemara that they come to realization, you want to see Hashem's strength? You'll see Hashem's strength in the fact that they all tried to destroy us, they all enslaved us, we've been through every single country came out in the world as being underneath their dominion, and they weren't able to. That's where you see the guidance of Klai Yisrael. And the Gemara is the second set. And the Gemara says, the Gemara gives the Masha. Look how great the sheep is who can survive being attacked by 70 wolves. And the Gemara is the second side. It's not how great the sheep is. It's Kama Godel Haraya. How great the sheep is. The sheep's not protecting itself. It's whoever's protecting the sheep. What's the two sides of the Gemara? Look how great the sheep is. How great the shepherd. So we see an interesting Machlekes in Hanukkah. We all know it because we all see the Gemara in Shabbos. It's the Machlekes the eight nights of Hanukkah. We're not meant to light the same amount of candles every night. Right? We're meant to change. But there's a machlokes from Besham Vithila. Do we count up or do we count down? Do we go one, then two, then three, then four, then five? Okay, Vithila holds and that's what we do. Or do we go the other way around? We start with eight, then seven, then six, then five until we land up with one. And the question is what's machlokes? What's the logic of this? What's the logic of that? It's not just like the two options, so let's, let's fight about it. You say this and I'll say that. There's not like you said, what are the two studies? So the Gemara says, the Shammai says, why do they say you can't down? Like we see the Parei Hachag. Parei Hachag, on, in the first day of Sukkot, they bought 13, then 12, then 11, then 10, it goes down one every day. In the same with Hanukkah, we go down one every day. And the obvious question is, what in the world does Hanukkah have to do with the Parei Hachag? The idea of Parei Hachag is meant to show the power of the, of the Goyim, and yes, you want that to go down. So it comes, it comes at the end of 70, but it goes down because we want to see that the power is being diminished. Why in Hanukkah do you want to go down? And this is the biggest set. The answer is that 
it's true that Klai survives in Godus. It's true that we've Amman Yevchar, we chose it. And that whatever Godus we're in, the Maestro we still survive. But, but, our level's gone down tremendously. The Klai Yisrael of Babel was still Naveen. The Klai Yisrael at the time of Paris and Mordechai Nesta. The Klai Yisrael at the time of the second verse of Megdash, we're talking about Kanyan Gedalia. The Klai Yisrael at the time of, the, of, of Adam, we're talking about the Tanoim. And the Klai Yisrael at the time of Babel, we're talking about the Amorim. The Klai Yisrael at the time of the Dark Ages, we're talking about the Rishonim. So yes, Klai Yisrael still survives, but Klai Yisrael has gone down a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. We're not nearly what Klai Yisrael used to be. And it, it's true we survived, it's true we still here, but on a much lower level than we used to be. I heard friends from Mary Virabi, Moshe Shapiro, Zechran Levracha. He said that uh, one, once in the summer he was talking to Briskarov. And they were talking about the matter of the military, and at that time, we're talking in the 1950s now. And someone mentioned the Gemara, which says that there's a guarantee. They just like Klaish will never be destroyed, suddenly the Torah will never be forgotten. So the Brisk Rav answered this person and he said to him that had you told me in Brisk before the war that the matter of today is called the Torah not being forgotten, I wouldn't have believed it. So yes, what what, what we call today that the Klaish role, that the Torah is not forgotten is something that the previous Torahs would never have imagined that's still called the Nine Torah. Well, that's still called the Devil. So yes, Klaish has gone down a lot. We're still here, we're on a much lower level. That's Ben Shaman. Klaish was here, but we're going down and down and down. That it's true that Klaish always survives, but even as the level goes down, we still survive. So maybe we should do it by one up, the no. next one. No, we, we start high. And Klaish was led to the time of Tanoim, who had the Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shmuel, Kohen Godel and Rabbi Shimba Yechai. They, they did survive the nations. Even when it goes down, and Kaisra aren't on that level anymore, we're still surviving. And even when it goes down, and Kaisra are not on that level either, we're still surviving. And even when it goes down, we have Rashi and the Ramam and Rabbeinu Tam and whatever it was, we still survived. And when we went down, we didn't have them anymore, but we had the Taz and the Moglevram and the Shach, we still survived. And we didn't have them, and then we had the Baratanya and the Shulchanor and the Gan and whatever it was, we still survived. As a, even though Kaisra is going down, we're still surviving. That's the idea of the candles going down. Kaisra continues. Less and less and less, but we continue. That's the dice of Bishama. Yeah, we get less, but we continue. And what's the dice of Bishama? What's the dice of Bishama? Why does it go up? The answer is, and this is the difference. We, the, the first shit is, look how great the sheep is that survived. What does that have to do with the Chag, Bishama? Korach Chag, just like that, it goes down and down and down. The Korach of the guy in the world goes down and down and down. And the Korach of the Chag is going down and down and down, but you're still surviving. And that's what it says, look how great the sheep is. That it still survives even though it's been attacked by 70 wolves. And the sheep can be a bit less of a sheep, but it still survives 70 wolves as it goes down. And the other side of the Vesila, the Vesila is on the other side of the Gemara. God will haroya. Look how great the shepherd is. It's exactly the other way around. The less Schusim Klai Israel has, the more we see Hashem's Hashkacha. When we can say we deserved it, we survived, it was our Schus. Okay, so then we, we don't see as much as thanks to Hashem. We're Victor Dikin. But as Clive Israel get less, as the Doris get less, so you see more and more how much of a nice it is. We have less to rely on on our own. We have less to say this is because we're such Victor Dikin that we deserve to be, to be given continuity. And remember, it makes the nest bigger. 
it makes the nest bigger. And therefore, it's a completely inverse proportion. As you see the sheep gets less strong, so now I appreciate more. It's not the sheep, it's the shepherd. God Laroi. And therefore, it goes up. Each day we go up another day because as Kaisal progresses through the generations, we see more and more clearly the other Shem which is in charge of them. Because you have less and less else to say it's because of them. Shouldn't we have more Amunah nowadays? Sorry? Shouldn't we have more Amunah nowadays? Well, we see clearly, more clearly, that survived even more. And even though we've been on the lower level, we still survive more. That's exactly the point. And that's why the nest of Hanukkah isn't just a nest for Hanukkah. We spoke about, we asked, why is Ma'as Tzur talk about the full extent, the full extent of whatever Kaisal has been through? The answer is, that's the Yisoyed of Amar Nivchar. The Yisoyed of our identity as we, Hashem chose us for a mission. Right? And that's what we argued with the Yavani. We aren't just like everyone else. We're different. We're different because we have a job to do. We're entrusted with doing what Hashem wants us to do. That's the Kayach which takes us through every single goddess. We still have the job to do. We're still doing it. And therefore, as long as Kayach is still there, we're still doing our job. We're different. We're special. That's what makes us special. And that's the Kayach we have which maintains us through every single goddess. And that's the Hanukkah we look at all of them together. We look at all of them together. That's the first point. Now let's look at little, let's look at this side a little bit deeper. We asked, why is the Menorah when it was when we won, the Ikka was we won the battle? Why is the Menorah the symbol of the Prisumi Nisal Hanukkah? Why is the Menorah the symbol of Prisumi Nisal Hanukkah? Number one and number two, why is it opposite the Menorah? What's the idea of the Mizuzah? You have the mezuzah on the one side and the Menorah on the other. So. This is the second part. We said there's two Aftachos to Klai Yisrael. The one is that Klai Yisrael will never be destroyed. And the second one is the Torah will never get forgotten. The one depends on the other one. The one depends on the other one. When Klai Yisrael forgot the Torah, they got destroyed. In those places in the world where there was no Torah, then Klai Yisrael either took it wiped out or they got assimilated. It's not as Aschus that we deserve to continue Zavan Yifchar is because we recognize that. We recognize that we have a special job to play and we try to do it. And then when we are aware of our responsibility, that we're the ones entrusted with keeping Hashem's mission, we're the ones entrusted with doing what Hashem wants us to do, then we have that same protection. We will continue to survive. And when we lose that, then we lose the protection too. And then big chunks of Klai can go to this, can disappear. Big Chalak of Klai can be destroyed. Klaishal as a whole will always will always continue because Klaishal as a whole will always be those Jews who are still maintaining their, their, that strength that they're doing their mission, continuing what Hashem wants them to do. So there will always be Klaishal. But when the Chalakim of Klaishal, Nebuch, which lose that sense of this is our job and they lose that concept that we are here entrusted with the mission, then they get destroyed. Then they get destroyed and it can be big Chalakim. It can be four fifths of the Jewish people in the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's 80%. It could be even 90% before Mashiach comes. Christ will survive, but only if they maintain their, their, their strength that we, we, we're here to do, we trust us to do the mission Hashem gave us to do. And that's what you said at the moment. It's true that the, the nace was that we were miraculous in battle. The nace was that we were miraculous in battle. It shouldn't have made sense. When you have a few people fighting elephants, fighting thousands and thousands of soldiers, by all rules, of warfare, by all rules of probability, we should have been wiped out. 
we won. But there's no point celebrating the victory without understanding what the reason for it was. Understand the reason for it was. We won because we were fighting for the Torah. We won because we were trying to, what we stood up for was our right to, to, to keep our mission as our mission. We wouldn't have won without that. On the contrary, until that stage, like the Rambam writes, and we're getting into Hanukkah, Kaddish were being subjugated for 52 years by the Greeks. And they, wouldn't, they, had, no, they had no rights to do anything. If we won the battle, it's because the, the reason we won is because we showed we were standing up for, for our rights to keep the Torah. Our priority is Amman Yifchar, and we made that's why we won. And therefore, it's not enough just to celebrate the victory. The point of pursuing this is beyond the tanks, beyond the Haidah that we won the war. We have to explain why. And that's always the point of pursuing this. The point of pursuing this isn't just to show that a nice happened, it's to show why the nice happened. What's the reason for the nice? What's the nice coming to teach us? And that's the Yisrael Hanukkah. The nice is coming to teach us that we, the reason, why did we win? Because we were keeping up, because we were keeping up to our identity as a mission. That's why we deserve to win. And why is this opposite from Zizah? Because... Yeah, the Menorah was terrible. Keeping the time, sure. Why is the opposite from Zizah? Because this is the this is Zekin Negezah. The point of the Mezuzah is Hashem's protection. <coughs> we know that the Shem Hashem, Shakai, which is written on the Mezuzah, is a, also an abbreviation for the Shem Adalsa Sishrah. Hashem protects. When? When? When we deserve it. So we put the menorah there to show that when we deserve, so to speak, when we're standing up for the Torah, that's when we have the protection of the Mizazim. Zekin Negezim. Okay, that's the... You know, so the, 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 what's unique about the Prasimilis of Hanukkah is coming to explain why the Nase happens. Why we hold it, I put it outside against the Mizazim is to show we deserve the protection of Mizazim when we have the menorah. We have the, we deserve the protection of Hashem when we're standing up for our right to Israel. And once we have that, then we have that kayach which goes throughout the doors. Like we said, most so from the beginning till the end. And I want to show you, I'm going to finish with this one beautiful idea. We know that the miracle of the menorah took eight days. Why did the oil burn for eight days? Well, especially eight. So the, you know, that it took them eight days until they got new oil. Right? So they had one, they only had one flask of oil. So they wanted to light the menorah. It was going to take them eight days until they get new oil. Either because they had to travel until wherever it was to get oil and come back again, or because it took seven days to become tar, because they all told them mess, and then on the eighth day they could get new oil. Or it was whatever the case was, what the reason why Dafka ate, but that's how long it took. It took eight days to get new oil. Now, let's think a second. If we would be in Yishalayim at the time, we're in Yishalayim, tremendous uh, excitement, we read out in the Menorah. First, night of Hanukkah, Whichever in the Quran that was Yehuda, the Maccabee, maybe, I thought it was him. He let the Menorah, the Menorah. Wow, it's the first time in nearly 60 years, whatever it is, that there's been had like a Menorah seminar. Everyone's very happy, and nice happened. We go back to the Messenger, we let the Menorah. And everyone gets up in the morning, and they look up to the Messenger, and they see the Menorah is still burning. And they say, wow, why is the Menorah still burning? And nice. And they look through the day, and they see that during the day the Menorah is still burning. Everyone's, this is the talk of the town. What's going on? This is not normal. There's only one night's amount of oil, and the menorah is still burning. And they come to the second night, the menorah is still burning. It's unbelievable. And I'm sure everyone goes to bed the second night of Hanukkah thinking, what's going to be in the morning? And they wake up in the morning, the menorah is still burning. And they wake, and the, during the second day, look up, it's still there. 
and they come to the third night, or the fourth night, whatever it is, the Hanukkah, and the menorah is still burning. People start thinking, what's going on? Why is this happening? And people start to chak. Must be because right, the menorah is going to burn until you get new oil. So if you would have asked somebody, right, on the fifth day of Hanukkah, the sixth day of Hanukkah, tell me, Rabbi, right, you, what, what do you think? Will the menorah still be burning tomorrow? Or will the person say? Probably, right? But I understand it. It's a miracle. It doesn't make sense. There's no fuel to burn for so long. Why are you so sure it's going to be burning tomorrow? What are you going to tell me? I don't know. But I see it's burnt until now, which doesn't make sense, right? So why would it stop in the middle? Why would it stop suddenly? If the nace has gone for five days already and stopped now, what was the point of it? So obviously, if I see a nace, it's a nace. I can't explain it. It's a nace which doesn't make sense. But I see it's happening. And if I see it's happening, it must be happening for a reason. What would be the point of having a nace for five days and then stopping? What would it do? It must be that the nace is going to carry on until we get new oil. And if that's the case, I'll put my money down at the nace and the nace going tomorrow. Not just that, the next day too. Why? Because otherwise there would be no point in the nest. If, you're gonna, if the nest isn't going to last until the new oil comes, it may as well stop at the beginning. What is the point of bringing it so far if it's not going to get to the end? And therefore, yes, I'd be guaranteed that if I would be there, I'd be convinced this nest is going to continue until the new oil arrives. It's a nest, it's true, but there'd be no point for the nest without seeing it can reach the completion. This is the point of Hanukkah. If you ever wonder, is Klai Yisrael going to continue until the end of time? Yes. But it's a nice. It makes no sense. We're small, we're vulnerable, we've been subjugated. Why should we continue? How do you, what's the guarantee? And what's the answer? Because we've seen this nice for so long already. We survived so long already. What would be the point of bringing Klai Yisrael 2,000 years to end, of in, end now? It's the middle of nowhere. If Klai, Hashem wanted Klai Yisrael to end, they could have ended in the time of Babel. They could have ended in the time of Rome. If Hashem maintained them for, through Rome, through Babel, through Spain, through Germany, through Russia until today, then we see this mess. We see it still happening. So it must be it's going to carry on. There will also be no point in the mess. And that's the, that's the Prismanus of Hanukkah. Just like we saw that the menorah was burning, miraculously, but it's going to carry on burning? No, the existence of Israel is the same thing. It's miraculous, but at the same time, we guarantee it's going to continue. As long as we're maintaining our mission as Am Hashem, with Am Anifcha, we're doing a job, we can be guaranteed that Israel will continue. Doesn't make sense. We needed the Hanukkah, and Hanukkah got reached until the end, until the, until the, until the new oil arrived. Hanukkah will also continue right until the end. That's the message we're supposed to think about. Mechazek ourselves in and learn from the next Hanukkah.